moving, I'm coding all night. Project won't compile, it'll be alright. Computer science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of B-Balls, my home is throw exceptions. Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Joining us on the program today are Damien, a British grinder, also partner with DangerousThings.com, Cooper, a Texan sysadmin that's new to the biohacking scene, Cursor, a British graduate student specializing in RF technology. We first want to thank our sponsor, DangerousThings.com, who deliver custom gadgetry for the disconcerning hacker and biohacker. Take a look at their products at dangerousthings.com if you or your organization are interested in sponsoring the efforts of dangerous minds podcast please feel free to reach out to us on twitter via hashtag dangerous minds podcast or dangerousminds.io and we'll be glad to talk to you about that so welcome back to our second installment of our news podcast uh, now something to remember again for our audience is that all the stories are available to read in detail on our facebook page and twitter feed and links to both of these are available on our website site dangerousminds.io and if you have a story that you'd like to be mentioned please post it on our facebook page wall and we'll do our best to share it on the next news briefing dangerous minds podcast will bring you the interviews focusing on the people and the tech but also news relevant to our common interest please stay tuned as we explore this evolving subject as well if there's someone you'd like us to interview in the future do email us at info at dangerousminds.io pass along the possible focus of the next episode so i've been reading an article it's uh, it's labeled the 10 craziest things implanted um so some of them seem really innovative and just a bit down the list is the yuki that we were talking about with Amal last week i'd say a bit deeper into the biohacking there's people with magnets in their ears a guy that actually has an ear implanted onto his left forearm an actual ear yeah it's um it actually looks like he's taken his ear and put it on his arm which i hope he hasn't done what does it do like why would you want an ear on your arm i was reading a different article on this before um it, it had a bit more information than here and from the sounds of it he wants to implant a microphone within the ear and have it so that it can stream audio and everything in his surroundings sort of so everyone would be able to hear it that i don't know whether it'd be within an application or just something how he broadcast it but i think that would be kind of awkward especially for anyone you're involved with <laughs> romantically it's like hey baby and i got this ear on my arm it's broadcast throughout the world on the internet do you want to be an internet star heck no man it's, well, like, a, it's like a reality tv to the next level well, there's another one that's actually um saying about reality tv there's a, a photographer he's got a camera implanted in his skull now i hadn't heard of this before uh, the only reason i could see for getting that is when you're looking at a picture a scene that you feel could make a, a quite a nice picture he could just capture it there and then exactly as he sees it doesn't That's have fun. to pull out his camera and wait because he might miss that shot i'm not 100 sure on how it works and um, due to health problems he had to have uh, part of the camera removed how'd you get part of a camera removed like i don't know if that's my naivety i'm not I'm not clued with cameras but if there was a car <laughs> probably the be the battery but if, if part of the camera could be removed why did that part of the camera ever get put in <laughs> if it wasn't uh, like me? and definitely know. would make it to where you could never get into any sensitive area for the rest of your life as long as that's in there oh you're just like a furby you're not allowed on go away can you imagine the, uh, you could just imagine it can't you you fall over you're out doing mountain biking you've come off your bike oh crap i've smashed my lens yeah. <laughs> 
At least, at least it would be like a, um, they call them dash cams, don't they? <laughs> you, you wouldn't be able to have like any sort of uh, accident. And again, if, if you link that with the guy that has the ear in his arm, as you say, um, romantic relationship, it takes it to a whole new level, doesn't it? Uh, that's when you uh, definitely have subscribers for your own porn channel, uh, pay per monthly to see a cam in my head. But talking about internet connected devices uh, implanted into people, you also have uh, Neil Harbison here. His, uh, his little camera actually um, is connected to the internet as well. Certain people one per continent, I believe he said in his keynote at BiohackCon that are set up to where they can send him colors uh, from around the world. And he he actually has been quoted as saying that he has actually been hacked and has unwanted colors set to him, but he actually enjoyed that, which I thought was kind of weird to actually hear someone say, yes, I have an internet connected device in my body. I have been hacked and it was fun. <laughs> which you know, response to that? Oh, uh, would you oh. actually think it's fun if you had something implanted I mean, to your body and hack if, if you if you consider it almost like a, a way of you connecting to the world you know like you, you got your senses and a lot of those are for for connecting to the outside world so i mean the only way i logically i can see this is you know this is another way that someone could connect directly to me and to be honest you you, you might feel quite quite happy that someone's gone through the time deliberately to try and sort of speak to you uh, does that does that make sense at all or do i just sound crazy no no that makes sense someone's gone out of their way to figure out how your device is working to send you a message in a way i mean like my my favorite thing from the list um and this is this is businessinsider.com um is is probably well okay two things that i like obviously i like the the yuki uh, after having uh aim one from dangerous things um talk to us about what the yuki can be obviously i'm gonna be very interested in that um there's actually a video here um of him using pgp file decryption which is amazing um but second to that is a sort of a little little uh, geek inside me likes the um, the implanted uh, magnets into the ears. So there's a, he has a, the mic, the the magnets inside his, his ears here, uh, richly, uh, which hopefully we'll, we'll get on for another show. Um, but uh, he he has a magnetic coil around the neck, which which allows him to to definitely hear um, what, what's going on uh, without some sort of wireless connection there. Which which I like the idea of maybe going into sort of like a secret, you know, the spy inside you. It's 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 pretty cool. So I think we're going to get richly on second of October, and I'll definitely ask about that because that is something that I would definitely consider for myself. See, I heard about that um, just after I started with my second chip and I really wanted to do it. I thought it was such a good idea. There's there's quite a few applications for it as well and another one that I've noticed recently is while you're on your motorbike, you've not really got any way unless you've got a Bluetooth helmet to listen to your sat-nav unless you've got one, one earphone in. Having that would be quite useful. Yeah, I see that. Well, speaking of sensors, uh, we've got our next article here from wired.uk talking about uh, the North Sense, which is a project put out by Neil Harbison's company called Cyborg Nest. And it goes to talk about it adding a sixth sense to so that you always know where north is now this this device is about i think it, it's actually up for pre-order now a little over 500 us which is kind of out of my price range at this time being just for the device not even talking about how much some piercer or other individual that you can get to actually implant it into you either through dermal anchors uh u-bolt piercings it goes on to talk about like uh, how they started with a vest with vibration for a proof of concept and further down how they eventually ended up with very small device. You could totally do the Iron Man. What are you guys thinking about that? You want to get one and then get like a compass rose tattooed around that to truly 
really get the Iron Man experience going on. With I mean, I, I was speaking to a very close friend of mine, Seedle. So he, 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 and I were, were having this debate about like obviously it hasn't been tested so much to the point where we we know it will become almost like a sixth sense. So what he was proposing was that every day he was going to sort of meditate to North, and I was going to wear this device. And uh, after a certain amount of period, I'd take off the device, he'd stop meditating, and we'd see if there was any sort of connection to North. I don't know if that's something that they're trying to expand, but I was trying to think very logically. Like obviously it vibrates when you're in North when you've got it on, and once once you take it off, does it stop vibrating, or is it the association with everything else, like where the wind is, where the sun is, temperature, or you know that that sort of thing? Essentially, you make a big association with that and the vibration that you don't you don't recognise after a while. How how sort of does it is it is it a sense that you then develop? Or there was a post in the uh, Facebook group about this, and I said uh, when it's removed, you'll probably have an association between the time it is and where the sun is in the sky. You'll be able to learn where north is. Um, someone else's point was you're going to stop feeling those vibrations after a certain amount of time. Now that amount of time will be different for everybody, but like with the old the old wristwatches in the 80s that beeped on the hour every hour, everyone always knew the time. So maybe it's, it's going to be a subconscious thing after a while. But yeah. that I don't get about it is it, I don't see it as a it is a body modification, but a lot of people are putting it as cyborg. And like you said, there's not been enough tests to know if this is going to be a permanent sixth sense or whether it's just going to be something this kind of while you've got it on until i don't know whether you take it out or if you rip it on a t-shirt however it wants to to be removed then will it stop working for you will you still know more that's my question to it also makes me wonder you know like they haven't really said much as far as recharging uh like if it's going to be you know you just have to put a coil around it to charge a battery or do you actually have to take it off plug it in through usb or what just makes me wonder you know what what they're doing with it i've actually reached out to them to try and get some more information and see if they would like come on and talk to us about it but no no word yet it'd be, it'd be great to have them on um so i i mean you know i always try and think logically you know i'm programmers it's, it's what happens unfortunately um but what I was thinking, right, I studied uh, psychology for a little while and um, there were case studies of people going into um, like caves and what the idea was, was that we have something inside us and forgive me if I like totally like walked the name up here, but endogenous pacemaker, uh, which actually runs to a 25 hour clock and it's everything else we have uh, outside like temperature, light, which are called external zeitgebers. I so hope I got that right because otherwise I'll have my uh, professor off. But um, that's what keeps us in tune with the whole, the whole day. So so the idea is that if you took everything away, you'd still know the kind of daytime. And I'm wondering if this is like something that eventually, you know, just, just as, as you have stuff inside you that keeps that time, it eventually you associate different things like, as I say, all those external sources and, and hopefully then you, then you know North. But also, in oh, I've got to put this question to you guys, right? In the modern world, and a lot of people will be listening to this and they'll be saying, you know, oh, I've got a phone, I've got GPS, I've got a compass. Uh, how, you know, like, what, what do you say to those people? What, what's the need for this if, if you've got all those things? Um, so I would say it be would be good for the adventure type people. They they'll go out in the woodlands and I don't know. I'm gonna say the Bear Grylls kind of people that like to go on an adventure. You may not have a cell signal to be able to know what north is or your phone might die for whatever reason, your phone stopped working. And being able to know where north is could come in very handy because you might know uh, the nearest town is actually south of you, but there might not be the natural indicators like the moss on the trees to be able to give you your sense of direction. It might not be night 
so you can't use the stars to get your sense of direction. So it could come in handy in a situation like that, but that's the only one I can think of. To me, it's it's kind of, it leads into almost like a debate of what is biohacking really, and if this actually qualifies, or is it just augmented jewelry really? Because, uh, you know, it's a cool device, but I don't know. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Cursor? Is this augmented jewelry, or is this even, you know, what do you think biohacking is? Well, I'm so glad you brought that up, because... Um... Um, the the news article I've decided to go for was um, it's actually what is biohacking and it's um, PBS um, with the title what is biohacking and why should we care uh, quite like the title <laughs> sort of gives it gives across the attitude that a lot of us have <laughs> um, but the reason why I picked this is not so much on the article but uh, as I was saying I'm speaking to to one of my very very close friends uh, Seedle so the idea is he he knows biohacking from what from what I do and doesn't have too much exposure in terms of you know these companies and these companies and the current tech and we were having a massive debate on on Friday night of, of what biohacking is and when when it becomes biohacking and when it becomes sort of like a, a wearable if you like and before I tell you what, what conclusion we eventually came to I want to put that to you guys you know uh, when, when does biohacking become a wearable and what is biohacking to you guys biohacking I would say is anything that can alter your body now whether it be changing your sleep patterns your diet to improve your quality of living I would say that comes under biohacking um, what we do comes more under body hacking, um, sort of a subcategory of biohacking where we use our body to make our lives a lot easier by popping things under the skin. See, I'm not going to let you get away with that. That's not good enough for me. <laughs> I'm going to push you for a direct now so okay uh, i understand biohacking is a massive umbrella term now if i know this down just to make it you know a hellhole for you guys if i'm talking about exact technology that does something so like stuff with power or not even not even power but you know like you know like the grinder sort of um biohacking scene if, if you think that literally when does a device become a wearable or in in biohacking grinding terms if it's not easily removed if it's not to me it comes under if it's implanted then it's a biohack because it's actually under the skin it's embedded with the biology there but it would be sort of like labeling a fitbit as a biohack it's, <laughs> it just wouldn't work if you can remove it from a strap or by unscrewing something then to me it's a wearable because it's removable whenever whenever you feel like it there's no skill say a professional needed to get that done okay and and if if you take what you just said there to be able to remove something with a strap or uh, unscrew it the, the device we just spoke about um you know the north <laughs> sense is that a wearable or is it biohacking because technically you're you know the, the argument you've gone for it could fall into both subcategories so i'm so going to push you on this today guys <laughs> you're going to hate me at the end of this but i'm so going to push you for an answer Do you know you are right it is a wearable as a design but it is also a biohack in the sense of once it's been tested we may realize that it can give an extra sense which may improve quality of life for certain people or it might just be an extra skill that they like but as a device it's a wearable in the same sense that that does come under so I'd say an umbrella term again as the Fitbit because the Fitbit allows you to monitor your exercise routines which will then allow you to modify that to make yourself healthier um, it's, that also changes how you think so I don't know if you can see where I'm coming from with this it's such a tough question isn't it I wonder what, it um... I, I say it's a wearable personally it's easily removed and but Cooper, the consequence of it could be a biopack I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push Cooper for the, for the same for the same question now <laughs> If a north sense is a wearable or a biohack? Yeah, that's the one. Well, uh, I'd have to say it, it's kind of one and the same. 
but you could wear you can wear a North Sense like through Velcro straps, you know, nylon straps, or even you know anything you can use to tie it on if you're not convinced that you really want it to be truly a part of you uh, for the whole time by not you know not doing dermal anchors or you know some sort of barbell ish you know, you uh, bolt uh, type of piercing. Uh, but you know when since the whole thing's not going under your skin is it then just a piercer's dream wearable or biohack it, i guess it also can come down to is it you know what's the intent of it are you trying to change your consciousness are you trying to change your own aspect uh, or viewpoint of the world uh, by augmenting it uh, through a device at that point you know, then are you truly biohacking since you're affecting your own consciousness by extending it through a wearable or you know is are you just tracking data at the if you're just tracking data then you can even go to like tim cannon's uh huge device that he implanted into his forearm and say since it's just recording data like a fitbit is that a wearable Hmm. because you know of course you know it was under the skin but it did it didn't change his own perspective of and you know sense of his own environment instead it just recorded his you know his his own body uh, information and so that he could as a proof of concept be able to see what have you but also you know then you also look at like the, the chips that are for only good for like you know 90 days and, and they measure blood glucose for diabetics then since you know same thing if it's just recording data not augmenting your senses is it just a wearable just in a different way or you know what what's the intent there when, when does it become more than just a wearable what do, what do you think cursor i'm going to push it back to you since you're pushing <laughs> us what i'm going to be a douche and i'm going to push back to you well oh, I, 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 oh, sorry i was going to say can i slot in because doug brought up a question with that with you can segue in does the XNT and the FlexNT just become a wearable as well to you? Because it doesn't augment a scent, it just holds yeah, data. Yeah. All pushing now. <laughs> yeah, you know, the XEM or the XNT or even the XBT. Since XBT can be used to record temperature through a halo, you know, halo reader, at that point it's you know, no different than the other other sensors that just are recording data. The XNT and the XEM, those are digital keys of sorts, could also be used for storage, but, you know, they're, they're not any different than a wearable that you're using just to, you know, use to get into work, what have you, you know, even down to, so if I have, like, as an example here, you see this little white sticker here underneath where my Fitbit goes, it's a 3D printed, uh, cradle on my pebble and this little sticker here that you know you at home cannot see it but my two co-hosts which are looking at uh, my webcam can see it it's actually uh nfc uh nfc decal that's programmable it's just an extra backup key of sorts that i'm you know testing to see what the range is on it uh, and just as a just in case it's one of those just in case you know my hands are you know swelling or affected by the weather or some sort of physical physical exercise so that I can't get a good scan. I can use that as like a backup key kind of thing. And that's when it's like, okay, so if 
you're talking capabilities, then it makes me wonder as well. It's like then are how do you also go further? How do you define what is a cyborg by you know senses or by augmenting your life through wearables or further you know, extending abilities to open doors otherwise that you would have to use some other device such as a key, a very analog device to open up a locked door instead of uh, using an implanted uh, key as well, but it, in a stored information uh, in, in much the same way. You know, what, what do y'all think on that? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, it's, it's leading down a rabbit hole that you almost don't want to go. Do you? Definitely. I feel like Alice. Alice right now. Uh, <laughs> eat me, drink me, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, so I've had this debate. I've, I've had a head start on this, guys. So this is why I bring it up because, you know, I'm on the forefront maybe. Um, so what what we came, we, we came to, to a, uh, to a um, uh, conclusion that I define biohacking as an extension of yourself. So things like if you've got robotic arms or, um, you know, if, if, if you've got, as you say, anything from that to like, implants for RFID it becomes an extension of you you know, you know you wouldn't you wouldn't consider your watch as an extension of you so it's at that point that I think it goes from biohacking to wearables you know you're not going to take off a, something like even even you know the, the thing we're talking about now in terms of like the north sense right is a great example you've got things like um, the fact that it's it's always part of you it's an extension of yourself even if you're going to then take it off eventually to charge it it's it's not like a watch where you, you consider it as oh you put it on it's like it's kind of it, it's, it's, it's innate in you and that's that's what we eventually came to but I think at the end of the day the important thing is that biohacking is different to everyone else and that, that's why we we always push um, whoever we have in as, as guests to, to sort of the first question before we, we slightly push push more questions them is is what is biohacking to you because it totally changes on like person to person I think it's great that it's not a not an exact term I think that's that's probably one of it. I, ho- I hope that was the, the best answer you guys were waiting for because uh, if not, <laughs> I've got nothing else. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I'd consider my phone to be an extension of me as well. Yeah. That is something that a lot of people will say. Even down to my Pebble, my phone, uh, my computer could be all used to further extend my own sense of the world and information. Yeah, but, but when I mean like extension of you, it's kind of like how, you wouldn't perceive your computer as an extension of you you'd see it as a as a utility right um just like you know, do you see what do you see what i'm trying to get at? it's very very then hard I'd say your hand is a utility as well that's, that, that's definitely true um you know and and you're going to use it to to you know benefit yourself in your life and things like that um but but just like that it's it's something that is like so so we we came up with a great example was um if if you came up with a bionic arm that you just attached to your your arm then you'd feel like it's a wearable now take someone who's you know uh an amputee with, with their arm and then you give them a robotic arm you then see that as as the step forward from from a wearable to sort of the biohacking sort of it's then part of them and that was the major argument that made us flip into it's an extension of you it's part of mm-hmm. who you are and that's that that's how I define it. So you define it by affecting your senses and therefore definition of your own reality. Exactly that. 
exactly that. Uh, I hope that that was a good enough uh, answer. But we'll, as we go through and we get more, more, more guests, I guess we'll maybe do a sort of a, like a, a montage or um, sort of like a, 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 a sort of podcast where we get everyone's view in, chuck it all in, and then we can debate it all. <laughs> That'll be a very, very long podcast, but uh, it's definitely something that's, that's, that's quite nice about the whole thing. Actually, I think you might have just suggested the first question um, reversing through the audience, live audience, at our first uh, live taping that will be at the Biohacking Con in January. That could be an easy, easy thing for everyone that actually shows up, including anyone that is on the panel and y'all on Skype or Zoom, depending on how we set it up uh, for recording, and just put it out there to everyone. You know, what is biohacking? What is grinding? And how does that relate to your own uh, grind, so, so to speak? It sounded like you had something else, uh, Damien. What would you have? Um, I was just saying, it is very much a perception-based question um, as to your answer on what is biohacking. It is, there's no right answer to it. It's kind of like the, the question, what is normal? <laughs> I mean, if we have to ask that question, then there is no such thing as normal. That's my argument. So that one will decide. Yeah, I, I don't think normal exists because even people that think they're normal are uh, odd in their own way. But you know, it makes me wonder, you know, speaking of odd, talking about another, next article here from St. Jude. Uh, it's actually from the register, from your side of the pond, uh, oh, yeah. you might say. Um, St. Jude sues over over a short-selling MedSec uh over pacemaker hack report and it was kind of interesting uh we were looking at this before recording just trying to figure out what in the world is going on with this because you know there's false accusations um profit sharing uh profits making scheme trying to short sell it based on a rumor a stock plummeting then trading halting um because of it as well it just seemed kind of nutty uh, just looking through it you know weird setup just because it's connected device doesn't make it truly vulnerable to hacking or is that just uh you know without true documentation you know i you know my own belief is if it's connected and, and it's vulnerable nothing is truly secure i don't care what kind of encryption you got nothing ever truly is secure everything's vulnerable and it just makes me want to say to uh, both of y'all what do you think um well i just want to clear one thing up because uh, when we hear about suing over here, we we, we instantly think of uh, of, of you, your guys' side of the pond, and uh, it is actually it, it is a uh, a UK article, but it is based on uh, something that happened in Minnesota, America. Uh-huh. So I'm just just going to push that back out to you. But um, oh, you don't you don't sue people over in uh, the UK? Are are you not, too polite for that? I mean, we we tend to be a bit tougher. Oh, I'm going to get some hatred now, aren't I? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, you know, uh, I, I think there's this massive sort of idea, maybe from from film and stuff, that, that lawsuits are so a lot more common over there. But um, leave, leaving that before I get some 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 hate <laughs> from, you, from you guys. Um, hate mail. You can send it to cursor at dangerouslines.io. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, I'll stay this side of the pond. Uh, I think I won't get in now. But um, yeah. <laughs> In in general about the article that so you know it's very sort of like blase. There's no there's no concrete evidence yet. Um, the the company is uh, uh, disputing all of the things that are put to them and saying it's a way of them uh, manipulating stock prices and things like that. But on the other side, whether it is a vulnerability or not, I would say the minute you start to make in- connect, interconnected devices, especially something that's that's so so 
vital, like the, the pacemaker. People are going to get that natural fear. Um, there's privacy concerns as well, even if you're thinking about something that's secure. As you were saying, Cooper, it's not, you know, secure is never secure. Like, and we need to start to, to, to wake up to that fact. And also we need to think about if something did go wrong, you know, what, what fail safes are there? And also, is it worth it? <laughs> you know, um, and that's something that, I, that I'd like to see them, them consider a bit, a bit more, especially uh, in the medical profession. What do you say, Cursor? Uh, well, I think that anything that's had human interaction is not secure. Um, I recently started watching Mr. Robot after everyone, uh, yeah, after everyone said it was uh, how good it was. I thought it was going to be a bit of a cliche um, where he presses, uh, just presses random keys and then all magical stuff happens. So I never watched it. But the uh, recent episode, <coughs> sorry about that. The recent episode that I watched um, was, I think it was episode four in season one. Uh, they're trying to break into Still Mountain and they couldn't find a floor. Um, and he comes around and goes, I can see six of them walking around. So I think anything that's had a human interaction is is flawed, basically. Yeah, I mean, human, they always say uh, human error is the biggest point of vulnerability in life. <laughs> I guess as we become more cyborgish, <laughs> I hope it sort of goes away. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure we're not, we're not up to that point yet. But, um... Machines don't make mistakes. They just uh, do as they're told. There you go. <laughs> it's never the computer's fault. It's yours. Yeah, although the computer can't protect itself when you chuck it across the room either. So, uh... <laughs> well, you know, that just leads back into the previous article, in my opinion. Um, when you break your computer, do you lose a sense of yourself? Hey, are you giving like me you're losing that your right hand. <laughs> uh, definitely a lot of a lot of good interaction this time around. But it looks like we're gonna have an, a fun article about transplants. Well, maybe not so fun <laughs> yeah i wouldn't say this is a fun article so may in 2005 um isabel Dinor, I'm, I'm gonna say it like that uh, hopefully that's the right way she had uh, she was attacked by a dog in her sleep so in may 2005 she had a new nose mouth and chin transplanted over uh, well to her face and uh, there's there's a picture here it doesn't look like um like a bad job to be honest it's it's quite reasonable um but she was having too many problems with the tissue transplant over the years um and she recently died on april 22nd of this year um she was only 49 at the time but it was only pronounced by the hospital in france um earlier this week a few days actually after her death um but i do think that this was it's one of the first stories to to, um, I'm, I'm going to say medical marvel here for transplants. Um, what, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm going to go with Cooper. I'm going to definitely say that uh, as far as reconstructive surgery, it's definitely, a, you know, it was an advance to be able to do it, but the fact that you know, she had rejection, anti-rejection drugs, what have you, and lots of complications in her health from that, it makes me concerned about, uh, they actually have here uh, another article about the firefighter uh, from Mississippi that got burned really bad and uh, got a full uh, full face uh, transplant, what have you. And yeah, it just makes you wonder how the quality of life that she had, uh, even though it eventually ended up killing her. Did it the time that she had left? Did it did it help you know provide a better quality of life to where a, a 
that instead of the alternative. Unfortunately, she's not around. We can't ask her. But, and it doesn't say anything, any comments as far as her own experience in the article. It's just, it's very matter of fact. This is what happened to her. This is what was replaced. And this is what eventually killed her. You know, complications, what have you. Just, you know, you read stuff like this and you just want, you want a little bit more information. Um, like, uh, it's got a quote here towards the end of it. From the day of the operation, I have a face like everyone else. So that says to me that it ch- it changed your life for the better. And second quote, I can open my mouth and eat. Recently, I feel my lips, my nose, and my mouth. So it sounds like she was actually getting feeling, nerve connectivity, sensitivity in that regard from from the reconstruction, from the donated uh, parts upon her as well. Uh, I don't know. What I mean, do you think, Cursor? My view on this is probably a little bit um, not, not desensitized, just not directly to, to do with the actual uh, case. Um, what what I worry about in a sense is is how people view this so um, obviously after something like that happens it's it's awful because you know there's not, not many things you can do so in one sense of it people can look back at this and say you know what what a great uh, medical like breakthrough you know she she managed to have a you know a mouth a new nose etc and she could live at least a part of the life that she had to be to be a lot better but then there's going to be people that look back on this and say well actually it, it reject it rejected and therefore it, it created two cancers and and that's the reason why why she died but um there's a great there's a great little quote at the bottom of this but i think sums up the way i think about it personally and it and it's um the fact that her her death won't come in vain um it's it's through pirate pioneering oh got that word out in the end uh work like this um and it's those that are brave enough on the receiving end uh, that the progress is made and there's always going to be some sort of like um way that you you have to you have to take risk in order to do this and i'm not saying that that shouldn't be a case-by-case basis and should be totally up to the person um but you know as long as they're informed of the risk it seems like a, a valid medical pursuit in, in my opinion after all it's their body right it's their their risk not you know, the person reading about the article at home yeah and, and in, in regards to uh, you know, as you see from from face plants and, and, and making people's life a lot better. Uh, there's another article I picked up this week. Uh, it's about uh, 3D printed vertebrae uh, being used to give a Chinese boy a, a repaired back. So he's he's taking it. Not, I'm not going to compare the risk because obviously they're very very different. Um, but he's also agreed to go through through this this kind of uh, procedure to, to better his his um, his life. And so it's actually a video. It's available on the Washington Post, um, uh, and it just shows what, what he has. It's, I believe it's a 3D printed um, vertebrate. So um, you know it's it's great to see in only the small amount of years if you put it that way that 3d printing has become you know a lot more mainstream and also it's it's, it's aiding good stuff now so you know this 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 person would would definitely you know if it succeeds and i hope it does because he's only a 12 year old 12 year old boy as well um then that is a massive breakthrough and the more and more we do on this the better it the better it can be yeah he's got a whole lot of life left in him at 12 so definitely hoping that you know the 3d printing as well can you know, actually stand up to a lot of life left, a lot of growth. Happy because even at twelve, he's not you know not fully developed. What do you think, Damien? Um, going upon your point just there. Um, also, I heard a comment earlier where will three D printing will the strength hold? Um, I thought that was interesting. I think he will need to get it changed. I'm not sure whether it will be to do with the strength of the material that it's been printed with. I think it's going to be to do with the size because you're as he grows, being only twelve, he's going to be growing for for many years, hopefully, and it will need to be changed to become a bigger vertebrae. To keep in line with the rest, um, because if it doesn't, maybe it could 
cause complications with his spine. And, but more to the point, we don't know what the actual material it's been printed with is. Um, I've seen 3D printing done with metal. And the most common one is is the plastics that we get at home. But other than that, I think it, it should pretty well you you raise a good point about the material um as far as my knowledge in 3d 3d uh print art um, i believe there's there's two types of of uh, plastic you can go for and one of them is um well i think it's biodegradable so it'd be quite nice to see what material they've gone with and whether they have picked a material like this and how long that lasts under the stress of you know what, what your spine will go through on a, on a daily basis to see to see what sort of you know how it can hold up and and whether we should be using different material or even develop something new and look, looking at the video, it doesn't really comment too much as far as uh, like what type of filament they use, whether it's you know a form of plastic, what have you, or if it's actually metal. Because there is a couple of ways you can 3D print. Um, some of them cut away excess from a block, yeah. um, but the most common version of 3D printing you see is heated up plastic that is then um, kind of, I'm going to say, molded into a shape by the head. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to see exactly how they made the part of the part of the spine. And without seeing any of that or the material, it's really hard to say much about it. Yeah. And also, did they just 3D print the form, cast it, and then put in a different uh, material before putting it into the body, or is it directly uh, made by the 3D printer and then put into the body? It's a lot of questions left here, but just the idea of it being able to be used in that way just seems interesting to me. All right. And uh, looks like next one here actually is an IoT article. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, transition us there. And it's a techbubble.info article talking about IoT meets biohacking. So this guy here, he got a XMT from dangerousthings.com. Yeah, all of us... I believe all of us here have that chip as well. And it's funny because, you know, reading through it, you'll kind of wonder where does the IoT come in? It's like, okay, he's got an XNT. What is he using it for? Is he actually, you know, using it just for authentication or is he run launching an application or webs- website from another device through the chip in his hand? And he actually looks like he just uh, allows him to authenticate onto, his, onto the network to manage his devices. So it's authentication management really only looks like, yeah, kind of leaves you wondering, okay, so where's, where's the IOT? Yeah, well, gl- uh... Glad you brought that up because that is literally what I thought the minute I saw this article as well. Um, I think so. So I did my undergraduate, um, thesis on home automation and IoT devices. So a lot of the problem we had was defining IoT. It seems to be like a, a buzzword, you know, like the contactless for the for the RFID payment systems and the pay wave and you get all of these sort of buzzwords. IoT is always seems to be a buzzword. Um, I think the way I ended up defining it was something that had sensors that could, um, could respond as like a smart device, if you like. I mean, there's big hotels that are now IoT buildings and stuff that can adapt like that. Um, but in terms of, in terms of what what he's done i mean it's great it's great what he's done um you know it's it's a nice little example of of, of how you can use these things again i'm gonna jump to the uh to the um sort of the the vulnerabilities quickly um 
because I'm all about vulnerabilities. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you guys think that I live in like a, a, a secure, safe, locked up, vulnerability-free environment. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, there's, there's, there's some things that you need to consider with vulnerability stuff. And the way he's implemented this seems to be in an insecure way. Um, I believe he's taking, without going too into it, and I hope you don't correct me here, but I think he's taking things like the, the UID of, of, the, um, of the chip, which is a sector zero, block zero, um, little key. Uh, that is transmitted in plain text during the session of of, um, of reader to tag, um, and it is very vulnerable if you use this. I mean, you can use a number of different devices like the Proxmark or the Chameleon and things like that. I'm sure you guys can. We'll probably do a session on that or something like that. Um, but you know, it, again, it, it jumps back to the sort of like, what is IoT? And I'm not going to run you guys through again, like pressuring you for the uh, for the IoT answer. Maybe you can think about that for the, for the future. But you know, it's great to see at least someone doing something. So I, I, I won't take. Yeah, it just sounds like a really bad way of uh, implementing the use of it if you're really depending on the that portion to be you know his IOT um, security without using an actual without using like a Yuki uh, I would think that would be a lot better you know, type of device to be able to, to be used in this type of type of way really because then you're using something a device that actually can do math actually is secure instead of just a uh, you know, number uh, sequence that's on there that can easily be replicated, sniffed, what have you. Not inc- it's not as unsecure as like you know, a smart card being worn around somebody's neck, per se, but still with, with the mindset of the ver- vulnerability, so to speak, where there's a will, there's a way. Somebody can easily you know, get and build, get the information to build an RFID sniffer, NFC sniffer, record that information, replicate replicate it and then use it. Uh, don't even have to replicate it to an implant, just have it available and then throw it at his network and then you're you're authenticated, you're in and you're able to explore further. It, uh, he, he probably did it as like an explore, exploration of the device, just trying to enjoy it and see what else he can do with it along the way and then write about it as he's doing it. And there's definitely nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. we're never going to say, you know, d- don't do things like that. Um, obviously, we have to consider vulnerabilities. And I mean, you mentioned... I think it was uh, last news session about the uh, the work that Bishop Fox did in terms of uh, making the the uh, Mr. Robot sketch of the um, scanning the and sniffing the RFID tags, and this would be a, a prime example of, of, of how to how to uh, cut this off. Yeah, uh, definitely, um, definitely. What what do you think? What do you think, Damien? Uh, see, uh, all the points that I was going to say, the, the nail is uh, hit on the head. On yeah, <laughs> we don't, we don't have to play this. <laughs> the horse while it's dead he's trying to say um, cursor is right in everything he says and you know it's i've heard it before and you know no, he's just saying ditto <laughs> well i mean i didn't say it exactly like that but <laughs> in All terms right, of um, your- things being used as a buzzword i could not agree more with that um it I've, a lot of buzzwords are really overused in the mm. sense it, it vaguely comes under that umbrella word and therefore that's used um, but, but I'd say this is pretty standard use but it does. I don't think it comes under internet of things I mean if, if he's getting used to using an implant for this kind of stuff can you imagine when the Yuki comes out yeah. like, that is going to be the go to and you know he's getting a head start I'm good on to him like if it's a transition it's easy for him once he's got everything set up on the on the uh, system end you know he's, he's going to be laughing while we're trying to figure out you know setting things up he's going to be rolling off and, and doing everything so well on to him 
hope he hope he leads the future in, in, in that and uh, you know i hope he's a, a developer and if he is then i hope he also contributes to um to to, to doing that in the future as well for 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 dismo uh if you guys are developers uh, there's a there's a bit of the talk uh for for last week if you guys want to jump on that and and see about developing apps for the uk either that or if he hasn't even heard of it it will blow his mind when he looks yeah. up the uk i'm sure he'll be like ah oh, i should have gotten this yeah there we go well i mean as he got the uh implant from from dangerous things i believe so i yeah. i can only imagine that he is waiting for for that Yuki. I'd hope so. He's got the circle around his calendar and his X in the days until it gets to release. <laughs> uh, I'm doing that for Star Wars. I don't know what you're doing. No, oh, for Star Wars, no, I wasn't that bothered for that. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Not a Star Wars man myself. Uh, Alright, you're fired. <laughs> I'm joking. Let's let's go ahead and uh, move along to the next one. I think it's let's see. Yeah, it's uh, talking about drugs. We like to talk about drugs. Well, you didn't say do drugs, so I suppose that's a benefit. (laughs) Well, our podcast rating just went, you know, sky high there. You know, Uh, time to flush it. Yeah, delete the delete it. Bye. Someone said drugs. I say everyone's on this podcast now. Cut it now. Yeah, cut it now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll fix it in post. No worries. So there's a new um, experimental drug that helps the body fight cancer by waking up the immune system. It's a very interesting word um, for waking up. I'm going to say word or words, however you want to put that. Um, It's found on sciencealert.com. So what happened there is uh, by adding a chemical, I'm going to assume this is a chemical, IMM-101, to an existing chemotherapy drug called, yeah, I don't even know how to pronounce that. So, um, gemcitabine is uh, the phonetic pronunciation of that. You did better than I would have done, so there you go. We'll go with that. (laughs) Yeah, but we'll go with that. If someone can correct us, let us know, and uh, we'll put your voice over mine on the actual release. Um, But researchers from St. George's University in London, over this side of the pond, have found out by doing this, they're able to break through the protective cells and the shielding of pancreatic tumors and extend the lifespan of patients whose cancer has spread outside of the original location now that's interesting to the point of we can now actually start to fight cancer it's taken how many years and of hard hard research and we've finally started to get somewhere Um, but they do mention the early it's all in early signs at the moment so the early signs are promising, but it's not quite a miracle cure just yet. Only a relatively small number of people, which they're listed as 110, were included in, in the trial so far. And over that sample, there were no significant survival benefits. So well, one thing that always worries me when you hear, you know, we, we're fighting the cancer stories. There, I can think of endless and endless amount of stories that I've read saying, you know, we've we've found this development, found this development, and then it sort of tails off, and you don't hear about it, or maybe the study fails, but you don't hear about what what happens to it. So, I mean, I really worry that that there's people that you know are are relying on this 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 kind of study to to you know cure um, the cancer or, or you know someone that they may know that they're going through personal struggles with and things like that um and, and the title i think is a little bit sort of um how would i say um i can't even think of a word now <laughs> um but it's like it's, it's very promising if you like and um it sort of says experimental drug fights cancer by waking up the immune system and then it continues saying and no side effect i mean that's almost like the ideal you know 
gold standard, you know, buy these and they do this for you kind of thing. And that, that is a little bit worrying for me. I like to see actual studies and evidence. And I just hope that, that, that people will, will, will definitely follow that through. Yeah, it talks about that, uh, you know, its findings are published in the British Journal of Cancer. As far as that, it makes me want to review that later, see what would happen what all is said in that and also uh, a little bit above that it's talking about that help is badly needed only 18 percent of patients with advanced pancre- pancreatic cancer survive a year and uh, you know, across the world the median average is only 2.8 and 5.7 months so for something like this just to get a little bit a little bit further means dramatic results dramatic changes so yeah waiting to see more wait hoping to hear more to say the least so, i think the word especially with the title gives false hope because you know um, there's some people out there that uh, have got pancreatic cancer they see that title and and that's it it's made their day but uh, during the read it's I don't feel that it lives up to the title that it's been given. Yeah, lots of false hope in that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if 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 they're, at least they're doing research, I'm I'm never going to put research down. You know, research is fundamental for everything, but you have to have a certain responsibility for for what you publish, and I'm sure that they followed all academic guidelines in in that university. Uh, but going from from that university to uh, the University of Oxford, Oxford, everything's coming from our side these these days, guys. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll change that in a, in a few weeks' time. Um, but they've come up with an article um now now let, let me explain it before you guys jump to conclusions at home but um it's from the daily mail and it's uh, <laughs> uh it's hackers may soon target your brain criminals could control your thoughts and feelings by attacking implants now this is this is a an oxford university expert that says we need to be prepared for brain jacking i don't know how, how many of you were were, uh, were were hacking at the time of um of uh bluetooth um, there was a lot of things called blue jacking, and that is instantly what I thought of, of these things of taking people's files down and things like that. That was definitely possible back in that day. But, you know, they talk about certain attacks being like um, altering simulation so that um, patients with chronic pain are caused even greater pain. It, like the, the, the whole article is, is very like sort of stacked against this idea. Um, I'm not an expert in, in brain implants. I don't claim to be so. Um, and, you know, it would totally depend on how, how, that, how that works. They say it consists of a battery, a small processor and wireless communication um, to allow the doctors to program it. Now, I imagine the, you know, the, the, way, the way they're hacking in is, is through the wireless communication. And, and they mentioned things like they were possible to show with um, uh, things like insulin and also pacemakers, which link Links to our previous um, the previous article about about pacemaker hacking, but you know again it's it's one of those I'd like to see a bit more evidence. There's there's it's very wishy washy. You've got you've got a guy saying you know, it sort of tells off that the way it's written as a lot of these articles are, it starts off with this massive claim and then goes into all the people uh, like, like us that have cyborg and this guy wants to become a cyborg and, and then it just tails off into, into what biohacking is and, you know, that possible attacks. But, you know, you can always say there's poss- poss- possible attacks and I'd, I'd like to see, see see what they were in, in real life and may- maybe not have a go, but, you know, like test environment and things like that. Um, so this, it instantly, when I saw this, it made me think of earlier um, going back to the uh, article 10 Craziest Things implanted and um, there was one on there that mentions DARPA and super soldiers with brain implants so this made me think of that because in that event why would any country bother to make their own super soldiers sod the R&D save the money just hack the other side super soldiers I mean they're already behind the enemy lines right yeah so, I guess so that 
that's some different different type of uh, warfare, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that's taking psychological warfare all to an all new game. There's a new definition for the word now. Um, I mean, we we wouldn't want to put any negative sort of connotation on 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 the biohacking community. And I guess, as I say, it goes back to that question uh, of responsibility that we spoke to uh, Amor about, and you know, where we're we going to lead that responsibility. Um, going with Amor again, and what he said about uh, I don't know how many people listening saw the smart gun that he made. Uh, the representative from Motherboard asked him what his views on guns were, and his response I think fits in really well here. He goes um, that they're not bad devices operated within the hands of sane people yeah. i'd say that is the exact same to do with anything to do with biohacking as yeah and within remit it's, it's a fine thing to practice but, but i guess we 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 all have to sort of prepare for for the eventuality of it not being in the hands of of, of those people especially for creating technology and in, in everything we do um so for example you know the stuff that amos doing in, in terms of the smart gun is he said look it's safe safe things in safe hands but let's create this at least this will will, will slow down or you know um, if it can prevent one 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 death then you've you've got to go for it and no we we've got to prepare for every eventuality i think it's, it's only our responsibility uh, i don't know what Cooper, you think about the responsibility of, of this sort of thing? Much like any tool, you know, the way it's not inherently evil, but the use of it can't could be used to produce evil. You know, as far as brain implants, chips, stuff like that, uh, I actually had a close friend until he passed on that had Parkinson's, and his life was changed dramatically when he had a microchip implanted into his brain to be able to control his tremors. It was much like the old friend was back, though he had a lot of limits on his life at that point. Thanks to the disease, he wasn't able to drive anymore, what have you. Much like anything that's connected, it just makes you wonder why if they needed to program it, isn't there a way they can do it without having leaving it connected wirelessly or even why would you want to have it connected to the internet why and deploy vulnerabilities instead build into it different way to connect to it so that it's not inherently open to attack what have you and i know it, it probably would make it that much more difficult to update or manipulate as far as changes go but it also would then protect the patient and provide a greater greater level of care to where they're not then open for something worse to happen down the road because hey we we wanted to make it easy we wanted to be able to change the change the settings on the fly do updates uh all that through the internet why because well the internet's there we can do it that way no it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be connected i think you've summed up that that, that perfectly uh, something we need to consider for everything i mean a lot of these articles go for what you've just your, your final comment there and that's I, i'd have to agree with you on this again uh, i don't know if anyone has any final comments on on today's recordings and does anybody have any anything else they'd like to add on any of the articles today not just as well, with the brain tags now just to get both of your thoughts on this at the same time um like you say they're using the internet because it's there but is such a poor solution to what could be used. For example, your friend that had his life changed with the brain implant, the Parkinson, um, he was able to regain some part of his life, and I'm sure that made his quality of life better for what remained. But 
knowing that someone could at any time just reverse that for you, that's, that's going to be a horrible feeling. So why don't they do it so that the chip has to pre-authenticate with a dedicated machine that can only be deployed to a, a specific person with qualifications in that field, for example, a surgeon? It shouldn't be able to be accessible uh, just from a terminal session. It would have to have some form of authentication, just say, for example, like the Yuki, some form of encryption before you're able to, to modify the contents of the tag. I mean, over the internet, first firmware upgrades go wrong all the time. So doing anything over the internet with regards to an implanted medical device, to me, seems like a very poor solution. Um, what, what, what's your guys' thoughts on updating over the internet with, with tags or leaving them vulnerable on that sense? Do you think having the pre-authenticated machine would be a good solution? Um, yes, I do. Um, I think I think we should we should we should not be too quick to to dissolve the idea of, of uh, you know, using the internet on the world wide web to be honest because you know it's a great tool it was developed as a great tool um and it would be a shame to see it not being utilized because of the possibility of misuse uh, i just think it relies to the people that they're implementing these systems to make sure that, that they are secure and i don't think it's a it's a, a one stage um solution either you know like just uh, as you say authentication is great um but i don't think that that's that's the end all um solution for it because as you know time time moves things that are secure are no longer secure um i just like to see something that's a little bit more dynamic if you like uh, that can change with with vulnerabilities and it's not the kind of situation where you can say oh you know oh we found a vulnerability let's update it's no it's more severe than that if if you think of if you have a system that, that may run on the internet and it gets compromised then you update it you know you, you cut your losses maybe financial losses etc but can you imagine the amount of losses that you, that you can get in, in this sort of area there's there's got to be i think there's got to be something something more um, but that will be something a major discussion that also I hope the person that has the procedure will, will be able to have some sort of say in as well because it will definitely be them that takes the forefront. That definitely sounds like uh, something we should seek out as far as someone that has a device similar that you know has changed the quality of their life that's actually connected to the internet and you know pose the same question to them at a later time. But also then you have to look at it as you know, can't it be then updated and manipulated through a device, computer, what ha whatever it may be that happens to not be connected to the internet that you know, is air gap of sorts that they would have to then be in proximity to be able to get the readings, get the information and not be able to be as easily connected in the field, you know, not be Bluetooth, not Wi-Fi, but something else, something that's not quite so widely widely used, not quite so widely attacked as well. I definitely agree with you in that case. Um, and just before we sign off as well, I'd like to say thanks to everyone that's supported the podcast from these early days. Um, I know Cooper's doing a lot of work at the moment trying to get the best form of podcast to you, so definitely check out DangerousMinds.io. We're always updating it in ways that you can follow us and subscribe as well. Um, and also, if, as I say before, if you, if you have a story that you think should be mentioned and you'd like us to talk about, do post it on our Facebook page wall because we are trying to, to target it to what you guys want to hear about. Um, and we'll try our best to share it on the next news briefing as well. Um, so Dangerous Minds podcast will bring you the interviews focusing on the people and the tech but also the news relevant to your common interests so please stay tuned as we explore the evolving subject as well if there's someone you'd like us to interview then do email us at info at dangerousminds.com 
io. I want to thank you again from all of us here at Dangerous Minds for listening to explore further the tech and the people behind it within this vastly growing community of biohacking, grinding, implantable technology, wearable technology uh, today. Please feel free to reach out to us with questions, comments. You're welcome to find us at dangerousminds.io and perhaps we may one day talk to you about the work you're doing or the projects you're exploring and developing. Until next week, seek the spark. Science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of be balls, my home is throw exceptions.